Welcome back to The Shelf Oddities. My name's Serafina. And I'm Eri. And today we're covering the Cincinnati cholera epidemic. But before we get into that, Serafina, how are you today? You know, I'm good. Last night was the first night it really felt like fall and... I feel like my soul is healed. Me as well. I know I woke up for work on Friday, went outside, and it was crisp, and I have never been happier. It felt like waking up from hibernation for the first <laughs> time, and it was absolutely fantastic. We are anti-bears. We, we are anti-bears, absolutely. <laughs> well, before we get too deep into my topic today, I wanted to talk about our zodiac signs, because oh, yeah. something we've learned about each other in the past couple recordings of these episodes yeah. is that we are absolutely our zodiac signs oh, and yeah. we just wanted to mention it because you can tell in the way we record our episodes in the way yeah. we take our notes in the way we do commentary so first off i'm a capricorn my birthday is january 12th i am absolutely a textbook capricorn everything i do is a powerpoint everything is a school assignment i research everything to a t my notes are disgusting there's bullet points <laughs> it is aggressive. I love that you say your notes are disgusting because no, my notes are disgusting. Your notes are fine. They're disgusting that they're so like pinpoint perfect. So I'm an Aries, but I'm actually a cusp. I'm an Aries Taurus cusp. Like I'm literally like the last couple hours of being an Aries and it shows I'm lazy and on fire at all times. There's no putting me out and I'm stubborn as hell. Um, but I definitely, I, I, we approach this podcast so differently and it works out well and I have so much fun listening to both back when we're editing because you are so like in my notes today and this is quoted by and I'm like did y'all hear about this like did y'all know <laughs> let, me, let me tell you something like this is what had happened here and uh, I just think it's wonderful so I think it's hilarious that it's also like you have the death episodes and I have the life episodes and I'm like super lively and you're like the, you're kind of like, a, you know, in every, like, cartoon, or not, maybe not cartoon, but media where, like, death is, like, an admin person. <laughs> That's definitely, like, who you are. Like, you're, like, you're not, like, Mike Wazowski, like, based, <laughs> but, like, you're very, like, okay, in form 300, like, you're gonna bore us to death. Yeah, very But you're snake. so interesting. Like, you're so interesting to listen to, so... It's definitely pretty funny. It's it's definitely interesting. Um, we've known each other for a very long time, but when you're actually going over and editing each other's voices, you learn things that you never thought you would learn about mm -hmm. each other. Awesome. Yeah, we just wanted to mention it because we noticed it, and I think you all will notice it, too. Yeah, it's pretty funny. It's, uh... It's wild, as you like to make fun of me for saying. Because everything's wild, dude. Life is wild. It's, it's wild. all insane. Life it's, is a wild garden to pick things from. It's so wild. Well, Serafina, what oddity are you feeling today? So, okay, so we're talking about the cholera epidemic. So the oddity that I'm feeling like today is the steampunk observation glasses that you see everywhere from Sleepy Hollow to, like, National Treasure. Yep. I'm putting them bitches on, and I'm looking deeply at things. What about you? That's fair. I am feeling that I am a post-mortem photograph of a dead body who's sitting on a couch with their eyes obviously open, so they <laughs> definitely look alive, and their family's standing around them with their thumbs up, and they're all smiling, living great. It's like they're throwing up, like, peace signs. Exactly. You know? Like, they're just chilling, where you definitely are dead, but you look very alive. That is the vibe for today. I feel like I can see you at work just being like I'm here and I'm in my chair and that's enough <laughs> that's like, enough that's definitely it. oh speaking of like post-mortem stuff have you seen any of the uh, mortuary assistant game no you need to play it's scary as hell okay. it really is like a truly horror game but I think you'd really like it basically you're um dissecting 
not dissecting. Oh, what's the word? You're going through the process of embalming a oh, person, like which I know we don't tubs. love here. Sure. But it's fun. It's a game. Yeah. It's not like you're really hurting the earth. That's right. Um, but you're basically, like, fighting off, like, a demonic presence the whole time. And it's scary as hell. Oh. But, like, once you get through the first and you're, like, the first game of it and you, like, understand what's going on, like, it doesn't, it's not as scary and you start to, like, appreciate the scares. But it's something you should look into on stream because I think you would really have fun with it. Yeah, I'll definitely have to look into that. Lately, I've been streaming the Dead by Daylight uh, dating sim <laughs> called Hooked on You. It's incredible. I will be streaming more of it because it is such a fun time. It was fun to watch. It is ridiculous and incredible. So. Oh, and before we move on from that, plug your stream, girl, right now. Oh, yeah. I've been streaming Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, my handle is Ectoplasmic Emily. Feel free to stop in. I've been streaming streaming kind of a bit of everything because I don't have a game that I consistently play all the time anymore. Um, so yeah, stop on in for the fun. I've been trying to convince her to play Stardew Valley with me on like a, a weekend night so we can just like get cozy and chill going into fall. So try to catch us there. Yeah, we will absolutely be doing that awesome but before we get into it just one final time this topic is a little heavier than the other topics that i have covered in the past because this is like active death not necessarily you know after someone has passed so i just wanted to do kind of a trigger warning for that and then also i will be going into the symptoms of cholera and some other nasty things so if you are the type of person who is like eating and can't handle not can't handle, but don't enjoy yeah. those types of descriptions because I know not everyone has the stomach for it. I'm not one of them. Definitely make sure that you uh, save this episode for a time that you're like driving in your car or, or running or, or doing something yeah, anything, fun. Anything else. So awesome. Well, the first thing I wanted to start with is what cholera is because I think most of us get taught the story of cholera that happened um, over the pond and we learn about it then but for me it's at least been a few years since I had heard about it and I knew nothing about it in this area so I wanted to make sure that I covered what cholera is and all of the key facts. So first of all, cholera is an acute diarrheal infection caused by ingestion of food or water contaminated with the bacterium Vibrio cholerae. Forgive me if I messed that up. I'm trying my best. I'm not a scientist. Sounded pretty legit to me. Cholera remains a global threat to public health and an indicator of inequality and lack of social development, um, which that comes up a lot in my story and also in the story we get taught in school because the biggest thing that you hear about cholera is the reason why it spreads so quickly is because of bad water, right? Yeah. So some key facts. Most of those infected will have no or mild symptoms and can be successfully treated with oral rehydration solution. A global strategy on cholera control, ending cholera, a global roadmap to 2030, has a target to reduce cholera deaths by 90% and it was launched in 2017. Because this is still a problem that is happening today. You just don't hear about it because it's happening in places that aren't typically reported on. Yeah, especially here. Especially here, yeah. So researchers have estimated that each year there are 1.3 to 4.0 million cases of cholera and wow. 21,000 to 143,000 deaths worldwide due to cholera, wow. which I thought was so interesting to hear because crazy. we don't hear about this. You hear about it one time yeah. when you're taught the original story in like high school or middle school, and then it feels like you never hear about it again. So reading that fact was kind of crazy. 
That is wild. For sure. Provision of safe water and sanitation is critical to prevent the control and the transmission of cholera and other waterborne diseases, as we've kind of talked about. Severe cases will need rapid treatment and fluids and antibiotics, basically, to um, help with the disease. So... Cholera is an extremely virulent disease that can cause severe acute watery diarrhea. It takes between 12 hours and 5 days for a person to show symptoms after ingesting contaminated food or water. Cholera affects both children and adults and can kill within hours if untreated. Hours? Hours. What? Yep. Most people infected with V. cholerae do not develop any symptoms, although the bacteria are present in their feces for 1 to 10 days after infection and are shed back into the environment, potentially infecting other people. Among people who develop symptoms, the majority have mild or moderate symptoms, while a minority develop acute watery diarrhea with severe dehydration. This can lead to death if untreated, which, you know, that happens a lot, especially during the time that we're talking about. Because they didn't know how to treat it. And I'll also talk about how they didn't treat it at all, which (laughs) (laughs) sounds about right for the time period. So uh, going into the epidemic itself, first of all, I didn't even know that Cincinnati had a cholera epidemic until I covered Spring Grove, which is insane because we've talked about this a ton, but we have lived here our entire lives. And it seems kind of important that we would hear about this particular thing. (laughs) Good thing. (laughs) Because there was an epidemic throughout the entire country, but Cincinnati had it worse than than places like New York. What? Which is insane. Well. And I'll get into that a little later. So first of all, most of my information came from an article, Pandemic Redux, Revisiting Cincinnati's 1849 Cholera in the Age of COVID-19, an article by Matthew Smith, as well as The Specter of Cholera in 19th Century Cincinnati by Matthew D. Smith, an article from Ohio Valley History published by the Filson Historical Society and Cincinnati Museum Center. I wanted to call those out specifically because they were done by individuals, and I definitely copy and pasted a ton of these um, Yeah these points from them so i just wanted to make sure that i gave them the credit where credit is due because i used a ton of their information so a quick summary of the epidemic itself beginning in the early 1830s cholera epidemics killed thousands of united states citizens including many ohioans thanks to overcrowding and pollution the proportionate death rate in cincinnati was roughly triple that of other smaller ohio cities like cleveland and columbus and while urban size and density were key factors in the spread of the disease mortality rates in cincinnati outweighed those of new york and london that's insane which london is the one that you hear about the most that's the only one i've ever heard exactly that's the only one i've ever heard about too so the fact that Cincinnati was higher than both of those is insane to me. So there were technically four separate epidemics. It happened over a few years. Mm. So one of them, so it came into the United States in 1832. Then there was the epidemic that happened in 1849. That's the one that had the highest death rate, 1866. And then again in 1873. 1873 was thought to be basically a flare-up from the 1866 outbreak. Mm. So those are occasionally both into one, but it did happen over a series of times. And over 10,000 people died with 8,000 of those deaths occurring during the 1849 epidemic itself. Wow. Those numbers are so high for the time period. I mean, even now, you hear 10,000 and you think that's a huge number, but that's just one city. That's just one. Even even with COVID being as big as it was, Ohio didn't even have that many altogether. Yeah. Let alone just one kind of single year or single time 
period. Exactly. 10,000? 10,000. And it was over that. 10,000 is kind of an estimate. Yeah, I'm sure. For sure. So where did the epidemic start? Cholera first appeared in the United States in 1832, apparently arriving with European immigrants. On January 4th, 1849, the Cincinnati Daily Gazette recorded eight additional new cholera cases, five of them fatal. So the city's Board of Health, established after the first cholera pandemic, reached Cincinnati 17 years earlier, and they saw no cause for apprehension or anxiety or any reason to suppose that the dreaded pestilence is upon us as an epidemic. What's interesting about researching this topic now, knowing what we know, (laughs) knowing what we know in our year of the Lord 2022 is that, and I have this in my notes, how similar that sounds. All I can think as you're talking is like, yeah, and we still have all their ancestors. Yeah. Those people never moved away. Right. Like it's literally, they're all vampires and all of them are on a council. (laughs) They're still the same people. They're the same people. They just renamed themselves. It was crazy researching this particular topic during the COVID-19 pandemic, knowing the information that we know. I mean, it sounds exactly the same. Nothing sounds any different. At all, yeah. So, and death, when it came, was horrific, producing voluminous discharge of rice-like white diarrhea, which is... What? That is the symptom that you hear about the most when talking about cholera, is the rice-like white diarrhea. That is terrifying. One physician described the telltale signs of cholera's hapless victims... Countenance quite shrunk, eyes sunk, lips dark blue, as well as the skin of the lower extremities. The nails livid. 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 So I wanted to put a quick mention in here because when you hear about Cincinnati, everyone thinks of the pigs because (laughs) our thing is pigs. Flying pigs. That is the city of Cincinnati's thing. Um, So I wanted to include a blurb here. This section of my notes is called, What About the Pigs? I just keep in my head thinking, like, Cincinnati should have changed their slogan to Piggy Dippin'. Piggy Dippin' in the Piggy Pond. The Piggy Pond, man. Absolutely. So by the mid-19th century, Cincinnati's slaughterhouses rounded up and butchered some half million pigs each winter when cold weather sufficed for refrigeration. This is going into Porkopolis, which I will not be covering. That is a Serafina topic that yeah. she will be covering at a later date. I've already started researching it, so it will be coming, but I'm, not until after Halloween, of course. That's fair. Halloween is the most important for sure. So, though compounding the city's squalor in many ways, these semi-feral herds served one vital end, recycling neglected mounds of garbage and human waste. Mm-hmm. So basically, the pigs kind of helped with the cholera epidemic yeah. because they were helping with some of the waste. It did not help enough to really <laughs> stop yeah. the epidemic, but I did want to mention that the pigs were doing their damn job. That's also what's really funny is we'll talk about permaculture in another episode because I'm obsessed with permaculture. But that's the idea that, like, whatever's on your farm has to help you, like, a means to an end. Mm -hmm. So the idea that, like, that was low-key permaculture Mm -hmm. back in the day, that's so wild. I have a note in here that says, Pigs thus constituted the most extensive public health agents in the city, but still cholera returned. Isn't it funny that they call him Mike DeSwine? (laughs) Like, in thinking about this? It is. Anyway. It is funny. So this next section is called Impacts on Minorities, because 
cholera impacts minorities the worst. Well, any public health crisis tends to. Absolutely. The cholera erupted in the humid summer of 1849. As I mentioned earlier, 1849 was the worst of all of them. It has the highest death count, and it was humid that summer, which did not help. As we both know, summers in Cincinnati are not great. <laughs> Awful. The not worst. Great. So the city's German, Irish, and black neighborhoods blighted with appalling sanitation suffered extreme mortality. It was not uncommon for cholera to be blamed on the Irish due to their religion. Anti-Catholic sentiments blamed the disease on a vengeful god or because of their poor living condition. I have a note in here that says Christianity ruins everything because it literally does. I said what I said. Yeah. Agreed. Immigrants were 40% of the population, but according to one contemporary source for times likelier to die than native-born Americans. Cholera often turned Ohioans against immigrants in their com- communities. What doesn't? I Yeah. What doesn't? What doesn't? Oh my gosh. But in one small community in Putnam County, it was an immigrant that saved the day. In w- when gen- is it not? <laughs> it, they normally do. <laughs> it's just they're not written in the history books, mm-hmm. as we've mentioned in previous episodes. Yeah. In Gilboa, Ohio, when cholera struck in 1852, many of the residents fled, but three doctors remained to treat the ill. One of these doctors was named Gustav Thate. That's T-H-A-Y-T-E. I might be saying that wrong. Thate, a political refugee from Hungary, had been taken in by a local family before the outbreak, but he stayed to help his new community. Unfortunately, Thate fell ill while treating cholera victims and succumbed to the disease himself. Politicians blamed everything from intemperance to crime and prostitution on this, quote, plague of strangers. Epidemic disease became one more crisis blamed on someone else, as it mostly is. (laughs) It's literally happening right now with monkeypox. Literally happening right now. Yep. John W. Scott, a professor at Oxford, Ohio's Miami University, says... Quote, it hunts out with extraordinary precision the abodes of vice, the haunts of intemperance, debauchery, and every moral and physical pollution. The vicious and the intemperate are its proper subjects and have been its principal victims. I hate that. It's fucking terrible. Fuck that. So... It only gets worse. Of course it does. (laughs) Of course it does. Between the canal and steamboat traffic along the Ohio River, Cincinnati was in prime position to be affected by cholera contamination in waterways. The reliance on the docks and the prevalence of nearby hog slaughterhouses also meant many lower-income residents were living and working in dirty and damp conditions. Despite the 1832 and 1849 epidemics, Cincinnati did very little to improve the conditions that cause cholera. Not surprising. No. In 1826, the Cincinnati Water Company established a network of pipes to bring water from the Ohio River to many locations around the city. However, without a proper sewer system to keep dirty runoff from contaminating the river, the company was essentially just pumping bacteria-filled drinking water into everyone's homes. Oh, no. Even families that skipped the services of the water companies and used wells were at a huge risk. Wells often picked up all kinds of dirty drainage. Many of Ohio's cholera outbreaks can be traced back to a contaminated community well. Which, I believe that's part of the London story was a contaminated well. So, that playing in here is also kind of, you know, interesting parallel. I'm glad that we have that information now, still. But it still is wild to think, like, water, the one thing you need in this world. Yep. All those poor people all I can think about is like they were just drinking water like Living trying their to lives. live. Yeah. In Wild. a humid ass summer. Yeah. Oh god I didn't even put that together. Yeah. Sweltering just trying to drink their water. Trying to stay. And it's all fucked. Wow. Um, so my bullet here says panic sets in and the people start doing dumb shit. 
as per usual. <laughs> Especially here. Uh, especially here. That checks out. So, at the height of the deadly 1849 outbreak, for example, Cincinnatians fled their city in droves, many having lost faith in the authority of their political, medical, and religious leaders to keep them. Many Cincinnati residents fled the city and ended up in Mount Pleasant, a hilltop community that escaped the illness. While the citizens panicked, the Cincinnati press was publishing articles downplaying the risk of contagion. Oh my God. That particular bullet really just... You know, because I remember early COVID-19 days and the things early, that were happening. Early, they're still doing. They, they were doing it last week. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. Oh, no. So, as the nation reeled from the slaughter of the Civil War, another epidemic swept the nation in its wake. So, you also have to remember war was happening in our country, and we also have cholera. It's It really was a really bad mix. That, yeah, it sounds awful. Not optimal. You know what did happen, though, at that same time? A1 was created, baby. Oh, the steak sauce? Yeah. Hell yeah. You've never seen that meme where they're like, you know what this country needs right now? A1 steak sauce. A damn good and steak sauce. And you know sauce. what? We need. We did. We did need it. I mean, it saved my life multiple times, so I understand. <laughs> Absolutely. So I have this section. Uh, it's called Key Ignored Players. And the reason why it's called that is because there were multiple people who tried to warn others, uh, let them know you know, this is why this disease is spreading, hey, we should probably do this, and no one listened to them. Uh, so these are all of those people, because, you know, there's actually more than one, which is unfortunate. <laughs> of course there is. So when Dr. Daniel Drake tried to increase awareness of cholera during the 1832 epidemic, he was met with resistance and disbelief. No one believed him. Drake contributed greatly to Ohio's development. His work helped provide Ohioans with capable doctors. He played a leading role in establishing several institutions of higher education. Drake also authored numerous books on Ohio's animals, plants, and diseases. So we got a smart guy trying to do smart things, but no one wants to listen to said smart guy. Hmm, sounds familiar. As early as 1836, at the behest of the Ohio legislator, Daniel Drake successfully petitioned the U.S. Congress for the establishment of Western commercial hospitals along the Ohio and Mississippi rivers to tackle the problem of cholera transmitted via steamboats. By 1861, the federal government had built nearly a dozen such institutions, including Cincinnati's first dedicated cholera hospital in 1850, supervised by the Board of Health and offering a relatively clean environment to the city's poorest citizens. I had no clue that they had cholera-specific hospitals. I was just going to write down in my notes to ask you about that later, because do you know where it was in the I, city? I don't. We'll have to. We're going to look it up and put it in the end, because I want to know. Me too, because I had never heard of that. I haven't either. That's wild. It is very wild. So, when you learn about cholera in school, they talk about a British physician named John Snow. Yep. Funnily enough, in the article I was reading, it said, in quotes, no relation to the character from Game of Thrones. You gotta make that distinction. <laughs> you gotta Because he sure. clearly knows something. Absolutely. He tracked the disease uh, to water pump. We hear about that whole situation when you learn about that particular cholera epidemic in school. So for us in Cincinnati... There was a man by the name of Henry Boyd. He was a free black man who ran his own furniture store, and he suggested a similar solution during the 1832 outbreak, positioning that the disease was waterborne and that all drinking water should be boiled. Of course, no one listened to him. Boyd was ignored by the white men that monitored Cincinnati's response to the disease. Which sounds about par for the course. Yeah. I want to go over Henry Boyd a little bit. He might be someone that we cover in a later episode. Maybe someone that you look into. We probably should just do like a 
people we've never heard about in Cincinnati type episode. Oh, that would be really fun, uh, yeah. Because I had never heard of him, and he was really cool. So, Henry Boyd, born a slave on a Kentucky plantation, was a prominent African-American furniture maker whose beds are sought out by collectors today. Throughout the years leading to the Civil War, Boyd had been active in the Underground Railroad as a conductor. Well-known in abolitionist circles, Boyd would house runaway slaves in an alleged secret room that he had built that could shelter up to five people. His home was welcoming to the needy as well. It has been said that he took care of a man of over 100 years of age who had been left at the riverfront to die. Over 100 years? Over 100 years, which is kind of crazy for that time, for sure. What a homie. Boyd was laid to rest in an unmarked grave in Spring Grove Cemetery. Are you kidding me? No. Why? I don't... Is it because he's black? Because I'm going to revolt. More than likely... How do we need to start a petition to yeah. get that man a headstone? Yeah, I saw that he was buried in Spring Grove, and I was impressed because I was had no clue. I mean, he wasn't even included in the list of prominent figures when I looked up Spring Grove, and that's very sad. So we're definitely gonna have to do a podcast about that. Absolutely, we gotta get his name out. That's so Cincinnati has such a rich history of mm-hmm. like not white people. Yep, and I just would really like to shine a light on them. Absolutely. Another ignored person <laughs> in my list of ignored people, John Lee, was a local geologist in 1850. He had mapped out and described the recent epidemic, detailing the incidence and concentration of cholera cases and fatalities street by street, house by house throughout the city. So he was really doing the work wow. of trying to find things. That is labor. Absolutely. Lee corresponded tirelessly with the local press over the course of the year, expounding his theories of epidemic epidemiology and quote but my communications he complained have met with little favor the thing is too simple the mystic theories of ozone zoomosis fungi are better adaptive to the prevailing taste for the marvelous basically he's saying my theory of where this disease is coming from is just too easy and they don't like it it has yeah. to be something more complicated yep. he also interviewed families in different areas of the city to further research the epidemic which i thought was pretty cool because he was kind of going to the source which you don't you don't usually do that no least, they just blame them for being <laughs> heathens instead right. of being like wait a second yep they don't actually research or you know try to track it down for real But he did, and he was a geologist, so good for him. That was really cool. All right, so my final section here is called, So What Are We Gonna Do About It? And the note that I have here at the top is, We're gonna let the Sky Daddy handle it, of course. Of course. Because in that time, and honestly, in this time... I was like, wait. (laughs) I was gonna stop you. I was like, hold on. Nope. That time and this time, we are gonna turn to religion to fix this problem, knowing full well that it's not actually gonna the problem. So, in August 1849, President Zachary Taylor, who I always forget is the president, declared a national day of fasting, humiliation, and prayer, but responsibility for public health devolved to state and local hands. So we're just gonna know, you know, let each state handle their own, but we're gonna have a day of fasting and humiliation and prayer to fix this disease and epidemic that is infecting most of the country and killing thousands of people. Why do we let people who are not doctors practice medicine through law? Like, I don't understand. I wish I knew. I don't get it. The previous month, Cincinnati Mayor Henry E. Spencer announced a day of fasting and humiliation at the behest of local Protestant ministers, but did little to tackle the cholera head-on. As in, he looked at some ministers... They had a discussion. They're doing religious stuff instead of actually doing anything about the epidemic itself. That's so stressful. 
Admittedly, the medical practice of many doctors was bizarre during this time, if not downright dangerous. As we know, for many other diseases happening at the time. You got some ghosts in your blood, baby. Do some cocaine about it. <laughs> Put a leech on it. Yeah. Yep. Daniel Drake, for example, recommended that cholera victims be laid out for extended periods in case they're not dead, but merely in, quote, suspended animation. What? <laughs> yeah. Basically laid them out. Like his contemporary, Edgar Allan Poe, Cincinnati's leading doctor seemed morbidly obsessed with premature burial. Changes and developments in civic infrastructure and technology played a key role in the decline of cholera, as well as practical milestones and growth of the railroads, which lessened the dependence on water in the Ohio Valley. Hmm. Which is important, because as I said earlier, all of the utilizing of the docks, the water systems, was really part of the big, the biggest part of why there was a problem. Yeah. Another milestone in Cincinnati was the development of a city sewer system supported by state legislation after 1863, which quickly reduced contamination of public water supplies. I also found somewhere in an article saying that the Cincinnati sewer system is still not great. I didn't look into that, but I would like to look into it again at a later date for more information, because I don't know anything about that. I mean, I'm pretty sure if you dig deep enough... I think most sewer systems, except for probably maybe newer towns. Sure. They're all probably pretty old and not so great. All of these developments were stimulated in some degree by the economic impacts of the Civil War, which I constantly forget about when we're talking about these types of things, that the Civil War really did help in a lot of ways, and it also hurt in a lot of ways. What is it And our city is... (laughs) Absolutely nothing. Hello. (laughs) And our city... Cincinnati was highly impacted by both of those, and the foundations that we've built off of it just keep on going, and we're oh, yeah. still using a lot of it today. Well, because the Ohio River was the the breaking point for Absolutely. north and south, so we had a, a crazy ton. amount of yeah. traffic through here for that. Nowhere was this more vividly illustrated than in the growth of America's communications infrastructure connecting Cincinnati to a telegraphic information superhighway, which is something that I also want to look into more. That might be more your wheelhouse, talking about the telegraphic information superhighway, which is basically everyone being able to pass information. Um... You know, communication, because back then you couldn't just send a text like, yo, this caller epidemic's <laughs> fucked. Like, you, <laughs> yo, I'm dehydrated. Yo, I'm literally fucking dying. Why does it look like Chipotle rice in my toilet? What's Exa- happening? Great question. So the telegraphic information superhighway really changed a lot for Cincinnati and a lot of cities. And I don't know a ton about it, but that does seem very life related, doesn't it? Talking to you. So not to completely throw off the conversation that we're having. But I do find it very odd. Okay, so I'm really I'm gonna throw this off for just a second. I'm so sorry. I will I will keep it under two minutes and I will rein myself and I promise. Um, me and a lot of my friends and our neighbors or me and you have had the conversation about like the Truman Show and like feeling like we live in the Truman Show. Mm-hmm. I feel like so much of that has to do with living in Cincinnati because I think that one it's weird. I I grew up here of all the places like where my parents were from and all this stuff. Like I feel like so many of us all have like a weird story of like how we got here like even though Cincinnati's so old like it's so weird that it's such a big city in like the middle of nowhere but it doesn't feel like such a big city at the same time but think about all of the media where people are from Cincinnati or from Ohio like it's so weird to me that's like I I just feel like I'm constantly watching shows where people are like 
like from how I met your mother like where he's like my parents live in Cincinnati but I live in the moment like there's a lot of like random things like Bob's Burgers has a whole episode like about like twin Cincinnati like it's like two twins that live in Cincinnati like I just feel like I'm constantly hearing about Cincinnati and it's interesting to hear that like we were at some point like the super highway of information I feel like we're still like a vital part in that even if it's just these little background things and it's also weird that we were at the center of a giant epidemic that literally right. no one talks about, where we were the most impacted, we had the most people die from it, and it feels like no one ever talks about us. When you hear about um, large-scale death like this, yeah. I, I mean, I feel I, like you're always never thinking, heard like, of this. yeah, I've never heard of this either. I always feel like we're talking about things that happened in, like, the way bigger cities, like New York or, right. or something like that. It doesn't ever feel like you actually hear about i just feel like cincinnati is the twilight zone it does you definitely know? feel like the twilight zone kind of uh riffing off of that it has nothing to do with the cholera epidemic but we also get used to record movies a lot right <laughs> because we're kind of like cut out of another time like the neighborhoods that are in downtown cincinnati are still kind of look the same so when they're yeah. recording movies that need to look in that time period they utilize cincinnati for that and it's kind of crazy it's insane well and it's also weird too because it's like oh do you need extra are you filming a film about the cincinnati cholera epidemic and you need extras who are going to act exactly the same as people did (laughs) then don't worry all of our weird uncles will sign up and be the exact same as the people who used to be here you know what i mean like it's just so still here still making the same decisions yeah it's it just feels like cincinnati never ages but it's also on all the trends at the same it's just super weird it is yeah twilight zone is a great way to describe it all right so are you ready for some questions i'm ready for some questions so i guess my first question is who's the most affected now that's a great question and after some research the top three countries with the most cholera cases according to this article that i'm reading online right now are yemen the democratic republic of the congo and somalia okay well those answers do make sense because unfortunately um we as a country don't see public health uh as a crisis and it makes sense that other countries who aren't us are going to be struggling with things that we seem to have found an answer to so i don't love that but it is good to know so that way if you do want to support those countries if after listening to this you feel the need to do something about it because i'm sometimes that type of person where i need to go and educate myself or help out in some way especially with something i just find it to be a real struggle to sit here and listen to something that we've kind of fixed 150 years ago still be a, a real issue for people and It's interesting to learn about something like this happening not that long ago here and having no idea it even happened in the first place to then finding out it's still happening. Like actively impacting people Actively impacting people. It's awful. How do you cure cholera or how do you go through cholera? According to the CDC, the treatment of cholera is rehydration therapy, antibiotic treatment, which reduces fluid requirements and the duration of the illness, and zinc treatment. Zinc? Yeah, I had not heard that before either. Wow. Interesting. Okay, so if you're packing your time traveler's kit, take some liquid IV and (laughs) some zinc pills. Uh, Not sponsored, but liquid IV is the best. You like it. I love liquid Not IV. sponsored. I I understand it works. I just wish it tasted better. <laughs> <laughs> That's completely reasonable. I would not have survived my Florida vacation without it. 
Oh, yeah, you did say that. I, I do remember you hearing that. Yeah, not sponsored. We should cut this out. How dare they? Okay, so I know that we had talked about Henry Boyd and how he has a grave in Spring Grove but does not have a headstone. So I did look up Dr. Thate, I oh. think is how you were pronouncing it earlier. Yep. He stayed with... I looked him up because I was like, who, do, who else doesn't? You know, who else got... You know, and he was a refugee at the time, so I was like worried about him as well. He stayed with the Kiss of Births, and that was the family that took him in. Mm-hmm. And they made sure that he um, had a wonderful headstone because he was the one that had also passed from cholera, mm-hmm. unfortunately. And uh, that's in Gilboa, mm-hmm. Ohio. And it's a beautiful headstone, it has a poem uh, that they wrote for him that. I think is really cool, so I'm just gonna say it now. So on his headstone, the Kissabras wrote this poem that says, On Hungary's sunny plains he bore the standard high, but death the exile claims beneath this stone he lies. That is beautiful. So, I mean, they really, I mean, truly, I, I mean, I'm sad that Henry Boyd didn't get the same love mm-hmm. that I think he deserved. But I am happy to hear that Dr. Thate did because I couldn't imagine being surrounded by that much death and then succumbing to the same disease that you help so many people with. Then not getting the recognition that you deserve even to this day. So I thought that was really cool and I wanted to include it. And then something I also thought was interesting is that we had talked about, you said Mount Pleasant earlier? Yes. Yep. So Mount Healthy, Ohio, which is a city, a suburb, I guess, technically, of Cincinnati. It's called Mount Healthy because that's where they went because it was it was healthy from cholera. I had thought about that when I thought about Mount Healthy myself because I've been in there. I think everybody around here has at least driven through it at least a couple times. Yeah. And that's unfamiliar. That's interesting to know that that's why they named it that. Funny. It's so it's so interesting to know. Like we hear about Mount Healthy all the time. Like if you listen to any of our radio stations, they talk about Mount Healthy and the fact that it was due to this epidemic that I've never heard of. Yep. That's so wild to me. I know I say that too much. That is wild, but it is. It's wild. That's wild. And then I also found out that uh, Sandusky, and we have one here too, but it's not called a cholera cemetery. The Sandusky Cholera Cemetery is a dedicated cholera cemetery, but we have the Pioneer Jewish Cemetery that was also has a huge section dedicated to cholera victims as well. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I didn't so, know that. It is crazy, but unfortunately, I can't find out where the cholera hospital is. I've done a bunch of research, and because no one ever talks about it, we're probably going to have to go down to, like, a library and, like, some microfiche and, like, find out an address. <laughs> yep. But, um, yeah, I can, unfortunately, I cannot find it anywhere, but I would like to know. I would like to know. Absolutely. Where it was. I think that it's an interesting thing, because it's not like Cincinnati has, like, a lot of pop-up hospitals. No. You know, like, we have Waverly, but that's in... That's about two hours away, and then they're all north or south of us. So um, I also figured, just very quickly, clearly listening to this, you hear us complain about how much history likes to repeat itself in this city. And I would like to say, moving forward, if you are listening to us and you've made it this far, we appreciate you. But also, if you start hearing some rhetoric that is, you know, it's the heathens, it's the gays, (laughs) it's the poors, it's the not anything that I am, it's the them not me. If you start hearing any of that, please shut it down. Because clearly it doesn't work. And people die with that kind of notion, especially in times like this where we know things. You know, we have, unfortunately, 10,000 people lost their life to this. 
But now, with their death, we have learned so much more. Please don't let that go to waste. Please take this knowledge with you and walk forward and help impoverished communities. Don't hurt them. We appreciate that. Thank you. I've had enough. I'm sorry. I've had enough. It's been rough. It's been a rough, like, two and a half years, especially being in Cincinnati. Mm -hmm. We just hear a lot of, it's them. It won't happen to me. All of this. It's just not true. It's just not true. And please pray if you want to. Do what you need to do, but also please do the work and please help people out. I just think it's important in times like this to be a a Henry Boyd and not a Dr. John Scott. I just think that those things are important. It's important to help other people. And we have the knowledge now with these things, with diseases, even if they're new variants of anything. Monkeypox is just a variant you know, of, of smallpox. So, you know, it's a pox. A pox on your house. Sorry. Anyway. Not to tangent too much, but I just think use the knowledge of those who came before us to make this world a better place. And then maybe 10,000 people won't die because uh, they're heathens. Or they're different. Or they're a minority. Right. You know, support your communities, communities. They are. And health, public health is a societal matter. And make sure that your four humors are balanced. Make sure that you're staying healthy and hydrated and be kind to one another. And stay out, Arcadia.